Hello and welcome to this, the very first uh, podcast for The Truth with a little real estate mixed in. Uh, welcome, we're glad you're here and we're glad you found your way here. My name is Keith Hadding and um, first I guess you need to know a little bit about me because we're doing this in, in with a little bit of faith that we'll do it, you know, build it and they shall come and hopefully we'll get followers that will come and participate in this conversation as an open forum. Uh, for us to get the truth and get it out there. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to agree with everything I say or that I'm going to agree with every comment that is made. We can agree to disagree and still um, part friends. Uh, so uh, with that said, let me tell you something about myself first and why I've decided to do this. Uh, my name is Keith Hatting. I am a um, North Carolina broker and I broke and the broker in charge for two real estate companies at this time on the East Coast. I am a North Carolina certified residential appraiser and I've appraised all over the state of North Carolina for 20 plus years. Um, I have a real estate insurance I'm mean, not real estate excuse me I have an insurance license property casualty for North Carolina. I am a Christian. I am deeply seated in evangelism and ministry. I've been ordained three times in my life, the last time as a minister. I am a coach, a mentor. I like to coach all different types of youth sports activities, most recently basketball. I'm looking for a basketball team. Do you know anybody on the East Coast of North Carolina, maybe even South Carolina, Horry County? Uh, that needs somebody. I prefer middle school and junior varsity ages and boys or girls. My last high school outing was um, uh, the girls head coach for junior varsity, assistant coach for varsity um, at Overhills High School in 2014. I thought that was a fantastic outing that we had. Uh, I think the girls learned a lot. I certainly did. Uh, anyhow, enough about basketball. Um, I have been in the modular and manufactured housing business for 20 plus years and do land and home packages. We do fix and flips. We do uh, investment properties and purchases. Uh, there, there's really not anything in the real estate world that we do not do. Uh, you can simply find more about me and more about that uh, real estate at the uh, www.ncrealtyservices.com and we abbreviate services so it's ncrealtysbs.com if you go over there you'll see videos of me and uh, find out more information about us and you know if you're looking for somebody's help in the real estate world um, certainly jump over there and you can get a lot of information from that this being the first podcast i apologize if i'm stumbling over some things i'm not probably as well prepared as i hope to be going forward but uh, you know again the, the purpose for this podcast is to really get some of the myth out of the way and go straight to the truth about the things in the real estate appraisal uh, but there, but nothing's out of bounds we'll be i'll be happy to talk with anybody about any subject uh, dig into it and find out some things. And I, I feel like I'll learn as much from, from those of you that may comment as I will uh, on, on the topics I already participate in. But, um, but we're going to do this podcast on a weekly basis. I'm not 100% sure which day of the week that we'll be doing it yet. Um, but I intend to release one every week. Um, 
with the idea that we're going to search out the truth and we're looking to hear from our listeners in an open forum. Hope you get feedback. We'll maybe bring some guests in and do some uh, guest interviews or guest lectures. Um, we'll just go whatever direction that, that people kind of lead us in going down. That's what we'll do. Um, oftentimes probably just be covering the news and events of the day or, you know, um, what we've seen uh, on the, on Facebook or whatever for the day. And there's a good example to this morning I was reading from the real estate commission rules about, uh, improvements on property. Um, I feel like they really didn't expand enough on that as they could have. So, you know, I, w I would probably do a segment and just talk about that and expand on those kind of things. Uh, it was written for realtors, um, but my purpose is to really talk to the consumer, to the people who are buying, selling, investing, trading in real estate on a regular basis uh, for their own personal use that might um, benefit from the idea of the understanding a little more of uh, let's and let's just start this first segment with an example of that. <clears throat> if you Google right now um, the difference between a manufactured and a modular home, for example, you're going to get gosh knows how many millions of different articles and things that have been written, and much of that is not necessarily the truth. Okay, you have uh, different people's versions <laughs> of what the truth might be to them so let's try to let's try to break that down and make it simple it is probably the number one question i get asked in the uh, retail environment where we do the modular land home packages what's the difference and what does it mean to me so let, let's do that for a minute um when i first started in this industry when i'm going to date myself now they called manufactured homes coaches coaches and then they went on to be um trailers and then they got on to be um, mobile homes and then now today they call them manufactured homes a big part of that's because they changed the rules and the codes as they went so every time they made a code change they also had a little bit of a terminology change that went with it and so that's what's that's what happened but at the end of the day manufactured homes are built to meet or exceed the federal building code the federal building code is the hud code you probably heard that term termination used before um, when they talk about, you know, buying a HUD code home or uh, those kind of things. So if I built that home, uh, a manufactured home here in North Carolina today, I could sell it in California as a manufactured home. It's still the same federal building code, still the same HUD code that it has to be a minimum of whatever that code is. I assure you in, in my part of the world, you would not want to live in a minimum HUD code home. Their minimum standards are just that. They're designed to give um, the builder and the consumer a place, a level playing field to say, hey, this, you know, it's got to be at least this good um, to be built by them. So that's a manufactured home. Is it built on a chassis or frame? Yes, there's steel I beams underneath that home. Is the foundation built around it? If you're going to have one, yes. Uh, um, they're typically going to be pier blocked under those frames. And that's what is leveling the house up and holding the house up. And anything you do around that, whether it be a vinyl skirting or block or brick, uh, stone, whatever you do, it is traditionally a skirting and is not load bearing. Your modular home, uh, in contrast to that, is built to the state and county building code that it's built for. And it has to meet or exceed those standards. Now, there are both on-frame 
and off-frame modulars. And this can mean different things to different people in different places. Um, the on-frame simply means that there is a steel I-beam chassis or frame under it, just like the manufactured home has a frame under it. And you would use a very similar kind of foundation, a pier blocking kind of foundation for that house. It, that does not mean that it's built to the HUD standards. Okay, It's going to exceed the HUD standards because it still has to meet the state and county building standards if it's going to be a modular home. And so therefore, the frame or the type of foundation is under there is not, let me say this again, the frame or foundation is not the determining factor for a manufactured or modular home. So if you're going around saying, I see frames under those houses, they're mobile homes, they're manufactured homes, that is not necessarily the case. There are areas, uh, I know of a couple areas particularly, that give a tax advantage to an on-frame modular home. And so there are some people that would do that just to be able to save, have a tax savings over the years. Um, however, because of the frame, there is that stigma or lack of education. People don't always understand that having the frame or not having the frame does not necessarily mean how the house was built. Uh, an off-frame modular is just like it sounds. It's taken off of whatever carrier transport it has. And so you do not have a steel I-beam or steel chassis under the home. It is the house that's pick, typically picked up with a crane and set onto um, a foundation that was built for it first. And the foundation is going to look very much like the same foundation you'd put under any site-built home. Um, and so that has the highest degree of acceptability and the lowest amount of uh, stigma attached to it because it takes a little less education to understand that that house doesn't have a steel frame underneath it and the local building inspectors inspected it, etc. All right. So in terms of the features and standards by which they're built by, again, they have to meet or exceed the individual codes that they have to be built for. There's nothing different in that than a site built house. It has to meet or exceed the county and state building codes as well. Those are the exact same codes for the modular home as they are for the site built home. Uh, custom builders are always going to have uh, the exceed column filled out pretty full because they typically are building things and adding things that are customizing that for a buyer. And so um, in order to do that, they're going to be well in excess of what the codes are. Now, which is better? The question is, which is better for you and your situation, what you're doing, the right tool for the right job, or what we like to say around here, the right home for the right people on the right property. And so there are times that I might recommend someone do a manufactured home, and there may be times when I might even recommend someone do a modular or site build a home. So that would depend more on an individual person's wants and needs and concerns. I think every home, every um, property is an investment. And I think that if you look at it from the investment standpoint, you're likely to make a better decision for you personally, long and short term. Uh, and, and that really denotes that. So I hope that kind of clears it up. I don't really think there's um, a whole lot more I need to say about that. Just be advised of the myths that are out there. It's the building code it's built to and not the foundation that's under the house. It's not even the roof pitch that's on the top of the house. So it's not really the look or style. You can have a modular home that looks like a manufactured home. 
you can have a manufactured home that looks like a modular home. So um, you know, be careful. No, just know what it is you're buying. That kind of leads me over to what the conversation was this morning uh, in the article from the Real Estate Commission asking uh, in their legal department, and I'm going to paraphrase, but the question was something along the lines of the house they were getting ready to list had some finished or added areas that were unpermitted. In other words, the current owner went in and added a room or finished some space, um, that kind of thing. And then now they're putting it on the market to sell. And so they were concerned about what their legal obligations were there. My concern about why they didn't expand that conversation was because the question was they had added space in the basement. And would that space be something that they could include in the heated living area of the house? And there becomes um, a really a kind of a pet peeve with me in the real estate industry is heated square footage of gross living area, um, total under roof. You, you need to be careful what the term is that someone's using and how they're reporting it. Typically in real estate um, MLS services, they're going to use the gross living area because they're getting that number, that final number should be getting it from the appraisal that they had when the house closed or from their own direct measurements. And, um, and that, that's very true. They should be measuring the house themselves or paying a professional to do that and not just taking it from tax records and accepting whatever someone else has put in there or tagging a disclaimer and saying, you know, measure it at your own risk. Listing agents today need to get out and physically measure the property. Uh, if, they, if they don't want to do that in my area, just have them call me and uh, for a small fee, we'll go out and do it. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so the answer that they gave was more about the, addressing the issue with the added space and not as much about addressing the issue with the including the space on an appraisal report and in the gross living area of the house, you're going to do above grade space and you'd have a separate area that you would report below grade space. It doesn't mean that below grade is not um, included in terms of value or given any credit for value. It would just be different. And the easiest way to understand that would be that house had to have a foundation to hold it up. The fact that they were built where there was space for a basement would mean that they um, the cost of that space would be different because the, the walls and foundation are already there. They're holding up the rest of the house. So now you have this area that is finishable space or could be finished space below grade. Um, and, and how you use that. The same would be true with a Cape Cod style house. The, the second floor of the Cape is a byproduct of the roof pitch. And so because it already has this roof pitch, it, it lends itself to finishable space on that floor. To correctly understand the costing on that project, you would need to understand how to make that adjustment as well. And although that would be averaged together and included in that gross living area space, the cost to build that space is dramatically different. So um, of great concern, how does that affect you, a buyer or seller? Well, it, it does, because when, when I'm asked that question as a new builder, what's the cost per square foot? 
the cost per square foot is determined by a buyer in what they want included in new construction. So if they add granite countertops, we didn't change the square foot of the house, but we certainly changed the cost of the house and the price of the house. So the cost and the value and the price are not the same thing. They're all different numbers and you should understand that. But, um, but the gross living area from, from below grade space to above grade space would be separate. Um, the cost per square foot will be determined more by what you add to something in the house. But the smallest footprint per square foot is going to give you the lowest cost per square foot overall. It doesn't matter if it's site built, doesn't matter if it's modular, panelized, post and beam, <laughs> earthen uh, structure. Uh, yeah, what I heard one a Yeti. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The smaller the footprint, the, sm the lower the cost per square foot. So what does that mean? That means a house that's two or three stories high or higher the cost per square foot is going to be greatly reduced because you'll now have two, three, four thousand square feet and you still only have that 1200 square foot foundation. And so the next least expensive is going to be your, your story and a half style. And then your most expensive per square foot will typically be the ranch because it has foundation for every square foot. Does that make sense? All right. Well, anyways, I think I've bored you long enough today on our first podcast. I hope I've given you a little bit of information and insight as to what it is we're going to talk about and what we're going to do here. I look forward to some feedback from you on this podcast and maybe some direction on where we should go with the next one. If not, then I will uh, I'll just, again, share my open thoughts with you randomly like a crazy person. <laughs> Until I can get somebody to finally respond and step in. Anyways, again, my name is Keith Hattie. Uh, you can find me best uh, all over Facebook with any of my businesses, but you can find me at the uh, ncrealtysvs.com website. And certainly you can register there as well, become a member and, and participate in the blog that's on there. Um, but as far as for today, um, today being, I probably should date this, right? Today being March 18th, 2019. And again, my name is Keith Adding, and I'll see you a week from today on the truth with a little real estate mixed in. Thank you and God bless.